Chapter 25 Off with you then, Zod, said Yelmoth. He made a shooting gesture with his hands, as though he were sending a dog out to play. Eat some more heads. Thanks for the ride. The steeplejack sketched a very solemn bow. His simian frame bent low. Yes, Lord Yamoth. The creature leapt easily over the ring wall. He plunged down toward the side of the extrusion. With casual ease, Zod reached out an arm and snagged a claw hold. He caught a second, and a third, and was bounding happily and easily down the rock face. In moments, he had reached another climber. He feasted again. The headless corpse spun away in its own freefall. Yalmoth smiled. The defenders of Halcyon had acquitted themselves well. In a week's time, the arsenal of stone chargers would be complete. A day later, the Thrain Alliance would be scrubbed from the face of Dominaria. Speaking of scrubbing faces... Yalmoth's attention turned away to the third ray cannon on the western wall. Its gunner sat strapped into the firing seat, blasting away. She needed her eyes adjusted. Yamoth sat along the top of the wall. Housesite guards were thick on the ramparts. They clustered about red-hot ray cannons, or poured bins of stone into bombards, or fired ballista bombs. They worked with grim enthusiasm and gleamed in pristine armor. Among them, Yamoth was a dusty wreck. The insignias on his rank had been ripped away in the initial fall. Gauntlets and helmet were missing entirely. Even so, the wind in the ragged hair, the glint in his brutal eyes, the set of his scarred jaw, all of it told that this was Lord Yamoth, and he was furious. Heavy booted, Yamoth reached the gun mount. It was a massive bulwark of stone, made to support the weight and recoil of the ferocious weapon. Behind a metal rig that was 20 times her size and hot enough to melt glass, a gunner clung to the fire controls. They were power stone activated, a box schematic without the box. Her fingers danced deftly on the glowing stones. The massive gun ground slowly to the left and down to acquire a new target. The grating sound of the engines was joined by a low hum as the charge built within. Battle report, gunner. Yamoth demanded above the roar of the gun. The woman looked up at him, surprised. Her face, red from the heat, grew white. Fingers fumbled across the power stone controls. The gun ground to a halt and powered down. A moment more struggling, and the woman had loosed the straps that had held her to the firing seat. She stumbled to attention. Lord Yarmouth, I am honored. You aren't wearing your helmet, Gunner. It interferes with targeting, Lord, and is hot and unnecessary behind the gun. Battle report, Gunner. All goes well. This gun has scored 17 ship kills, confirmed, and 23 assisted kills, unconfirmed as well as hundreds of troop kills, also unconfirmed. How many of ours? The woman blinked. Sweat from her forehead pooled like tears under her eyes. Ours, Lord Yamoth? How many of our soldiers have you killed? Have I killed? Have you manned this gun since dawn? Yes, Lord. Do you remember shooting a Phyrexian war caravel, a ship named Yadagon, or was that an unconfirmed kill? She was quite white now sweat forming red lines on her cheek. The name of the ship was unconfirmed. Yes. It rammed the ship I was targeting and flew into the path of the rate. Did you know it had a crew complement of nearly a hundred? That would nearly be a hundred of our troops killed. Confirmed. Yes? The gunner was silent. You might even have better luck if you turned the gun around and fired on the civilians. You might rack up a thousand kills that way. Did you know I was on that ship? Did you know that attempted regicide is a capital crime? The woman fell to her knees before him. She looked up, eyes streaming more than sweat now. 
Forgive me, Lord Yarmouth. Please, I didn't know. It was an accident. I couldn't see. The Yonagon flew out of a smoke cloud. You couldn't see? I couldn't see. Even without your helmet, you couldn't see? I couldn't see. No, Yamoth said tenderly, cupping her chin in his hand and running his other hand through her hair. Now you can't see. It was harder work than he had expected, and messier. She thrashed and screamed, which was unseemly there on the wall, with everyone looking. In the end, he had actually not torn them out as he promised himself he would, but really, there was nothing left to tear out except ruptured membranes. She had been so intolerant the whole while, he finally just threw her over the wall. Her screams sounded sweeter the farther away they were. Yamoth patiently wiped his hands on a rack. Get a new gunner, he barked at the captain, who scrambled to comply. Preferably someone with eyes in her head. As if drawn by violence, Gix arrived. The idealistic champion of the underclass had become Yamoth's most trusted, ruthless, and clever officer. Commander Gix strode regally along the wall, his retinue behind him. Among the Phyrexian guard with him was a tall monster with a clenched ball of muscle for a head. Shreds of red clung raggedly to its dagger teeth. Gix went to his knees before Yamoth and bowed his head deeply. The monster at his side did likewise, as did the other Phyrexians. Hello, Gix, Yamoth said. You've brought the Phyrexian guard into the city. Yes! The house I guard commander was a coward and a traitor. He presumed you dead and was considering surrender. The whole war could have been lost. The Phyrexian guard enforced his resignation. Yamoth eyed the toothy monster behind Gix. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have secured my rule and at the same time advanced your own position. You have saved my city and granted yourself a second army. Yamoth smiled genuinely. Well, commander of the guards, the siege is well in hand, as you can see. We need last only another week, and then victory will be certain. Until then, the citizens of Haosan are in grave danger. Use your Phyrexian guard to round up any Houseites, not engage in defense of the city, and take them to Phyrexia. Enlist them. Yes, Lord Yarmoth. It will take months to round up all the citizens. Make months into weeks, Yarmoth said. The siege will be broken in one week, and I want at least half the citizens enlisted by then. Yes, Lord Yarmoth. Yarmoth looked out across the glimmering city. Rebecca's temple gleamed beautifully above it all. We are creating a new world, Gix. You know that. A new world and a new race. Strong. Fearless. Obedient. Ruthless. Yes. Just now they might seem monstrous. But war is a monstrous business. When this is all done, Phyrexia will create not monsters, but gods. Yes, Lord. He will return soon, Rebecca whispered into the dark. She could only see the first ten or so faces huddled in their silo. At least fifty citizens hid there. Their breath made the place hot and dank. It was the smell of terror. Still, it was better than the septic smell that clung to Rebecca and her goblins. Yamath will return to Phyrexia, and when he does, we can all escape. You must survive until then. Do not let the guards find you. They will take you to Phyrexia. They will make you into monsters. Stay here. Stay quiet. And don't give any sign of your presence. What are we to eat? What are we to drink? Asked one of the refugees. Rebecca blinked, thinking. Is there any grain left here? It's all rancid, and there are rats. Sighing sadly, she said, 
I don't suppose you could rig some traps? Eat rats and drink sewage? I know it is terrible. I know, replied Rebecca. But when it is all done, we will be safe. I will take you to a safe place. A beautiful, clean, safe, fountainous place. You will see. A different voice spoke out of the darkness. How will we know when it's time? I will place a lantern at the top of the temple. Even in daylight, you will see it. When you see the lantern, head for the temple. But the guards! Use the sewers. The goblins will guide you. They know the way. They brought me here tonight. They are taking me all through the city tonight. They will guide you. One of the goblins hissed from the cracked doorway. Patrol! Every voice in the silo grew silent. There was only their breathing. It echoed in the throat of the building. The tromp of booted feet and click of claws filled the street. Most of the patrols numbered only five to ten guards. This one sounded like an army. In time, the footfalls receded to silence. The goblin hissed. All clear. Eat what you can. Drink whatever clean water you could find. And wait. When Yawmoth descends to his hell, we will ascend to our heaven. He was gone. It was simple as that. Coma. He had awakened from comas before, but not this time. Not with his skin in rags. His temples had sunk in his caves. His eyes dilated and unresponsive beneath papery lids. Only the puffing machines, the scudding goblins, the living casket kept him alive anymore. In all other ways, he was gone. Perhaps if she came sooner, if she had come first, and gone to the refugees after, perhaps she could have spoken to him one last time. That was the wrong way to think. Nothing happened by chance. It wasn't even a draughts match anymore. One player controlled both hats of the board. Yarmouth. That's why I didn't make it down here in time, Rebecca said warily. He didn't want me to. You were right all along, husband. You were right about him, about everything. He deceived everyone but you. Deceived and seduced all of us, except you. A chill caught at Rebecca's spine. She drew back the edge of Glaceon's infirmary garment. Folds slid away from a gaunt hip bone, translucent skin showing the shrunken muscle beneath. Glaceon's emaciation was awful. Rebecca cringed, tears coming to her eyes. Even so, she pulled back the gown. Gods! No! The cut Yamoth had made in her husband's side had never healed. Black stitches straddled the gash. The flesh was dark and desiccated. Beneath lurked a magnificent mound. It looked to be a tumor, the size of two fists clutched together. He didn't. He couldn't have, she muttered, touching the spot. It was hard as a rock. Oh, gods, no. He did. He did. He did what? Rebecca whirled, withdrawing her hands. There, in the quarantine cave, Yamoth and his health core monster stood. He did what? Yamoth asked, voice dripping with concern. She stared into his eyes, wondering if he could see how much she hated and feared him. He... he fell into a coma. He... he left me before. Before I could say goodbye. Yamoth reached her. He wore his white robes of state, the exact hue of the casket where Glaceon lay. We can heal him, Rebecca. You know that. We could heal anything. He lifted his hand to draw back the strands of hair that had fallen into her face. Rebecca shook her head vehemently. No. No. Glaceon wouldn't have wanted it. It's the only thing he would have not tolerated. 
Yamat's hand flashed out. An odd ring gleamed on his finger. He grasped her arm insistently. There was a jab, something like the sting of a bee, and then a welling, burning ache. Rebecca looked down, a protest tumbling from her mouth. Already? Yamoth was speaking. Weary. Exhausted. You've been the good wife all these years. You even allow him to die rather than disobey him. I cannot allow it. You're too wary. Nothing can make sense anymore. Everything true suddenly seems a lie. Every lie is playing at truth. You can't let your husband die just because you aren't thinking clearly. That much was true. She wasn't thinking clearly. She couldn't seem to remember what she had been doing today, or the last few days. She was wary. Bone wary. Exhaustion warmed her. Yalmoth was right. She wasn't thinking clearly. Yalmoth stood, lifting Rebecca. He carried her as though she were a lost lamb, and he the good shepherd. I'm going to help you, and your husband. I'm going to take both of you to Phyrexia and heal you, once and for all. Rebecca was only vaguely aware of the cave around her. Health corps workers surrounded and lifted Glaceon's capsule. Goblins chittered at them and crowded about. She was only vaguely aware of anything but Yawmoth. He was so strong, so warm, so caring and truth-speaking and godlike. In his arms, nothing could ever harm her again. He was even gentle with the goblins. He was even patient as he waded through the pawing mob. It's all right, little ones. I'm not going to hurt her. I'm going to heal her. The little beasts were pulled aside by the health corps workers. One goblin, an old goblin, shouted after Yarmouth. We light a lantern for you, Rebecca. We light a lantern for you. Yarmouth smiled like the dawning sun. Listen how they love you, Rebecca. They will light a candle for you. They will pray their little goblin prayers. Even the little monsters love you. I cannot blame them. I love you too. Rebecca couldn't imagine greater bliss. Except to sleep now in his arms. That's right. Sleep. I will heal you, Rebecca. Once and for all.